The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, welcome. Um, tonight's the first of a three-week series um, on working with pain in meditation and in daily life. Uh, my name's Ines Friedman. And just very briefly about myself, um, I've been practicing meditation for somewhere over 25 years. I currently direct and teach uh, Inside Meditation Center's online meditation courses. Uh, and I teach periodically in, the, uh, other, in some places in the Bay Area. Uh, I also serve on INC's uh, chaplaincy council. So uh, before I talk a little bit more, um, I'd like to know, is there anybody who's completely new to meditation here, who's never meditated before? Great, thank you. How many of you have a regular meditation practice already? Great. And how many of you have, have a back pain as your primary issue? Okay, maybe how many of you don't? <laughs> it's easier. Okay. Okay, great. It's one of the issues. Okay. Okay. So even though many of you have uh, a regular meditation practice, I'm going to go ahead and I, I will be going over the basics. So for anybody who hasn't meditated before, um, you won't have any problem. And part of the reason is that uh, often people who have uh, pain, um, the basics are problematic. And I'll go into that in a moment. Um, okay, so first I just want to tell you a little bit about my own personal history um, with pain. Um, I started having pain as a young child. Um, I had a, a condition that's now called sensory integrative disorder, where um, a lot of basically uh, things that touched me were painful to me. A lot of things like velvet, uh, cotton balls, um, you know, they would make me feel sick to my stomach, feel like throwing up, and, um, you know, tags and, you know, anything between my fingers and toes. So I sort of grew up with, you know, being physically uncomfortable in my body most of the time. And when I was eight years old, I started having arthritic symptoms, uh, whereas, you know, I'd, you know, most kids seem tend to fall, and you know, they kind of recover from their injuries. My injuries would turn arthritic. And so as I got older, I started having more and more arthritic joints. And um, you know, went to the doctor, and you know, they kind of had no idea what to do with it. So I just kind of um, you know, just grew up and kept it internally and uh, didn't talk about it. Uh, so, you know, then I, when I became a teenager, you know, I, I discovered yoga and I was um, uh, told a, a very vigorous type of yoga. And, you know, I was told that if I just do this, it'll kind of cure me. And so I put my heart and soul into it, practicing really, really diligently and actually kind of traumatizing my body because, you know, it was, it was kind of a very aggressive type of yoga. And that brought my interest into becoming a chiropractor. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I forgot to say that about my, my biography, uh, but I was a chiropractor for many years. And as a chiropractor, you know, I tried doing all the different chiropractic methods to fix myself, and, and of course nothing worked. And eventually what I found really helped me was jogging. 
You know, it, it would, um, my body, it hurt when I started, but after about 20, 30 minutes, um, all the pain would go away. It was great. Uh, all the endorphins would kick in, and, you know, I'd, I'd feel really wonderful. And it would last for a few hours, and, um, you, know, and you know, and it helped, helped my life be um, a lot, lot easier to work with. Uh, but then at some point, uh, things started getting worse again. And that's about the time when I started... Uh, meditating on a regular basis. And um, meditation really helped me decrease my levels of pain, but also my relationship to the pain. And so in this uh, practice, the practice we teach here, this uh, mindfulness, basically mindfulness meditation practice, I worked with that for many years, doing, you know, uh, really uh, working with it quite well. And um, I went on a retreat, and even um, one of the things we do is we really pay attention to the pain. And um, I found by paying attention to the pain, the pain would become very pleasurable. This is on retreat, so I, I, I saw this puzzled look in somebody's face. Um, you know, af- after sitting on retreat for, for, a, for a bit of time, and uh, I remember, you know, just kind of being in the pleasure and saying, oh, this is a playground of, pl- of pain. Uh, so, um, you know, I was very, you know, very inspired in practice at that point, and, and I was just so happy that I found something that worked so well for me. And then my body got worse. And I had to give up uh, racquetball, and I had to give up jogging, and all the activities, um, you know, the joints just couldn't hold up. And the pain got worse, and the methods that I was using were no longer working for me. And meditation became kind of a, um, a burden, something that I was doing that, that uh, wasn't fun anymore, that wasn't, uh, I wasn't finding value in it at that point. And so I went on this uh, retreat that had a little different orientation. What I had found had happened to me was that, you know, in mindfulness practice, um, you know, we pay attention to whatever shows up. The problem with chronic pain, that when we look, guess what's there? Pain. So it's very easy for some of us, for the mind to be like a magnet to that pain. So the moment you look inside, oh, I'm hurting. And that becomes bigger than, than, than anything else. And so I did a retreat where my orientation was away from the pain. And so I retrained my mind so that when I look inside, even though the pain is there, the pain's this little thing over here among a big field of everything else in life everything else in my mind. And, that, and that's a lot what trig, you know, triggered my interest in wanting to teach this class. It's not that I don't do the initial methods anymore, but I've incorporated um, some other methods that have helped me uh, create more of a balance in my mind so I'm not, I don't gravitate and fixate on pain. So before I go ahead with the, with the first piece that I want to talk about, uh, do you have any questions about what I just talked about? I wonder, have you read Reynolds Price's book on uh, his pain? Have you heard the, uh, he's an author, I actually haven't read anything, but uh, he used biofeedback eventually. <clears throat> he lives in crippling pain. He wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, don't, I wondered if you'd use biofeedback. And also, he did say, describe it the way you just did, that it was, it was now, it was over in a corner or something that wasn't <laughs> in the center of his. Um, 
you know, a lot of what meditation, meditation is in a lot of ways by feedback, uh, at least parts of it. So um, I have used by feedback for other reasons many, many years before I experimented with it, uh, uh, but not in relation to pain in particular. So and I'm not familiar with that work. Uh, my main orientation, and you know, at the end of the, uh, my plan for this class is, is um, there'll be a handout each week, and the third week I'm going to give some resources, um, and that will include uh, some books and, and other resources. And one of the main influences I've had uh, is Shinzen Young, and, um, and so that book will be listed there, so we'll, we'll talk about that later. So let me start out first, I want to talk a little bit about posture. One of the things that a lot of people do who meditate is um, they're not, they don't use the posture that's the most comfortable for them. They often will use postures that they think are good for them, as opposed to what really is good for them. Um, so what I'd like to suggest is that you don't add any more pain to your posture by, by choosing a posture that's not right for you. Also, do any of you find that your sittings are just physically very, very uncomfortable? You know, a number of you? Not anymore. Not anymore. Good, good. You know, for those of you who are very uncomfortable, okay, uh, have any of you tried lying down meditation? Okay. Okay, good. Okay, so what I'm going to do is, I, you know, I just want to kind of run through some of the different postures of meditation and give you some options, okay? The first priority is to get as comfortable as you can. You know, for instance, for those of us who sit in a chair, you know, one of the instructions is to sit on the edge of the chair uh, so your back is straight and so you can be a little bit more alert. Now, that works for a lot of us. But if doing that makes you hurt a lot more, don't do it. You, it's a little more challenging to sit against the back of the chair in terms of staying alert. But the mind can be trained to stay alert no matter where you are. So, you know, prioritize your comfort. That's the first, first thing I'd like to say. A slight challenge is fine. But for some, you know, how, do any of you sit on the floor? Okay. So, for instance, if sitting on the floor is comfortable for you, great. If it's almost comfortable and you just want to build it up, build it up by reading a book on the floor. Don't build it up by meditating on the floor. Uh, let the meditation be something that you enjoy, not something that you're uh, trying to get your back to hold you up better. So, you know, just spend a few minutes reading a book, reading a magazine, talking on the phone and, while your muscles build up. When you're meditating, get as comfortable as possible. You know, the Buddha taught that there are four positions you, you can meditate in. You can do it sitting, you can do it lying down, you can do it walking, or even standing. So it doesn't really matter what position uh, you use, it just matters what you do with your mind. So on the floor, let me just, uh, sometimes for those of you who sit on the floor, might not be aware of some of the options. And for instance, um, he's going to show you, just hold it up for a moment, just so he sees the, uh, most people use round pillows. Uh, for a lot of people, using a wedge-shaped pillow actually takes the pressure away from your legs going numb and will often prevent sciatica, uh, which often happens um, depending how you're built with a round pillow because the edge cuts off your femoral artery circulation or can directly pinch on, on the 
uh, put pressure on the nerve. So it's an option. And, you know, we have these cushions here, so feel free, you know, when you come to just experiment and try it and see what you think. But it takes a little while to see if a pill is going to work for you. So especially I find that women in particular, I mean, I mean, a lot of men like this too, but women in particular because of the broader pelvis um, end up liking the wedge-shaped pillows more. So another posture that often works for a lot of people, can you show in between? And this can be done either with the cushion between your legs or a Caesar bench, the little wooden benches. And this is also a very comfortable position for a lot of people uh, who have tight hip joints or tight ankles. So if you're not comfortable in your posture, try something else. If uh, sitting on a chair... Often putting a small pillow in your low back gives you just enough support to still keep you alert. Yeah, so you can see how that works. And if you've got hard floors at home, make sure you put something soft, otherwise it gets to your knees. If you have knee problems, uh, I don't recommend this because, you know, half an hour like this, uh, it, can, you know, it can put some pressure on you. Hand positions. Do any of you have problems like in the mid-back and neck? Okay. Uh, Do any of you feel that a lot more when you meditate? Some of you do. If meditation triggers a tightness in the shoulders or mid-back, it often happens because of the way your arms are hanging down. Just just your anatomy allows them to uh, hang a certain way that, that pulls and tugs. And just by putting... A cushion on your lap can make all the difference in the world on how much tightness you experience. I've had a lot of people who have completely eliminated some of their meditation-triggered pain by using a pillow. This is a little bit high, but, you you know, more like this. Some people benefit from having something holding up their elbows on either side. Actually, a person at a retreat, he actually had this... He came to the retreat with these big cushions on each side so he could just rest his elbows. And, you know, you can do that with some easy chairs, too. But sometimes that takes a lot of the pressure off with, with certain chronic conditions. One of the postural things that a lot of people tend to do is they let the chin go up like this. That will create a lot of pressure. So always kind of tuck your chin just slightly so you're relaxed, you know, Whenever you look at posture, you know, people tell you, sit up straight. Sit up a little straighter. You know, don't try to change your posture too much. Just a little bit in the, in the direction that you want to be. You want to be a little bit straighter, a little bit tucked in. Just gently, so you're not, you're not forcing the issue. If you're in a chair, the feet should be flat. Just for meditation, you know, right now it's fine. Your hips should be just a little bit higher than your knees. So just a little bit. Uh, if they're not, you can put a little cushion under your, under your buttocks. So that little bit of tilt can take away some of the pressure, uh, some of the uh, muscle work that, that your muscles have to do in your back. So anything else in terms of sitting before I go to lying down postures? Any questions about sitting? Variations on crossing your legs and knees, I know... 
Good, good. That's, um, yeah, which reminds me, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot to mention one thing. If you sit cross-legged on the floor and you sit Burmese style, now Burmese style, could you demonstrate again? Sorry. Is when, when the legs are just one in front of the other. It's, a real, it's probably one of the easiest positions for your legs to meditate on the floor, but the downside of this is that it's not completely symmetrical. And so if you're doing a lot of meditating, you want to switch sides. So I recommend if you meditate, say, half an hour every day, you do Monday one way, Tuesday the other day, or even days one way, odd days the other way. And that stops your back from getting unbalanced. The other choices are like the half lotus. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, the perfect posture, if you've been doing it since you were 20, is full lotus. If you haven't been doing it since your 20s, um, good luck. <laughs> Um, I don't recommend force, trying to force your body. You know, it takes a lot of work to, unless you're naturally flexible that way. It's, uh, yes? Does full lotus actually help balance your back? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. You know, it's a very stable, it's one of the most stable positions, and it really is much easier on the back than, than a lot of other postures. Uh, but only if you really can do it fully and really well. There's like some people who can get kind of into it, and then it's not all that, not as stable as, as we think. So with the half lotuses, you know, that's really, if that's what you're comfortable with, work with it. I recommend with a half lotus also that you change sides, that you don't stick to one side. Yes? I notice, um, or I know that I should have my feet on the floor, and as you said, to kneel down. To do that in these chairs, I need to put... Yeah, so, so the, actually the cushions that really work well are, are wheelchair cushions. They're really stable. They're, um, but, you know, go ahead and do that when you meditate here. But hopefully at home you have, yeah, you have your own setup, yeah. Yeah, I mean, doing it on, on a weekly, just once a week, I don't think it's a problem to, to sit that way. But, um, but if you're going on retreat, you know, uh, you know, the really thick cushions work well. They're pretty comfortable. So they're like three or four inches. So lying down meditation. You can all practice this, you know, as an extra meditation before you go to sleep even, if you want. Uh, though at that time you're not trying to stay alert. It's, it's definitely more challenging to meditate lying down because we're used to, we associate that with sleep. It's a little bit harder to stay alert. Uh, but with practice, um, you know, you can stay just as alert as sitting up. Andrea Fella, who's, you know, uh, one of the uh, primary teachers at the center, she spent three months on retreat lying down, uh, you know, all day long. And she was able to, to go very, very deep in her meditation practice doing that. So there's four methods that, that can be helpful to stay alert. None are particularly better than others. It's just, um, you know, what works for you, what's most comfortable. Uh, the, pri- the first method is with your arm. And I don't know if you can see what he's doing, but basically we put one arm up like this. So the elbow's resting, so you're relaxed. If you fall asleep, your hand's going to drop. The next method is your knees bent with, with the knees slightly apart. If you fall asleep, your knees are going to drop in. Usually that'll wake you. The next method is with the hands in, uh, some people call it the lotus posture. It's kind of like what they do in Zen, uh, where the, the hands are cradled, one in each hand, and then the thumbs barely touch. And you put that on your belly. 
like this, like this. I know you've never done this one. Yeah, just like, like in Zen, you know. And so you're focusing on keeping those, those thumbs just barely touching. And in Zen, they do that for regular sitting. And, and again, that will, you know, your hands kind of collapse if you fall asleep. The fourth method is open-eyed. Uh, if you do, I wouldn't recommend it in this, well, at least for me, it's too, a little too bright. But if you do open-eyed meditation, uh, you want to have a soft focus. You don't want to be staring. You just want like a very soft focus. And often that's, uh, some people really like doing it that way. If you're li- and one other posture that really works well for s- people with certain back problems is using a chair for your feet. If you want to show what I mean. Just like that. So you want to get a little bit more 90 degrees, you know, with your hips, you know. Uh, and, you know, use a pillow for your neck, use pillows under your knees. Get yourself really comfortable. I don't recommend you, as a practice, that you do laying meditation in bed. Uh, that's just way too much temptation, you know. So, you know, have a special place that you do it. You know, a, a, a thick mat, something that's comfortable enough for you to, to spend a good half hour there. Yes. When I was on the retreat, I did like meditation with that with the chair. Um, but I noticed even when you were doing it, there's sort of like a gap between the buttocks and the floor. Should the pillow go there to sort of take off the strain? Or should it be that your legs are not so far on the chair that you're less raised? Uh, you should probably use a, a thicker mat under you so that you can be like really at 90 degrees comfortable. You know, the chair's just a little too high and not enough mat underneath. Yeah. Yes. Do you recommend uh, the back slightly recline? Like, uh, and which, which yeah, will be higher and slightly down? Uh, only if you need it. Only if you need it, okay? I recommend a little pillow under the head. Ideally, you're relatively flat, but some of us can't do that, okay? So always comfort is your guide. You know, um, you know, with any, any, anything like this, you know, we all have different bodies, different problems. So we go by what, what works for us. So uh, just don't do a wedge because you think that's good. Just do it only because that's what seems to be working for you. Uh, anything else on, on posture? And then the one thing, how many of you have practiced or do practice walking meditation? Okay, great. Okay, one of the things, you know, personally, I had a lot of pain with walking meditation, especially in these slow walking. Like fast walking was no problem, but if I tried slow walking, my, my, back would, my mid-back would hurt a lot. Uh, so I want to say two things. One of them if walking meditation hurts your back, if slow walking hurts your back, don't do slow walking. Fast walking meditation is just as good as slow walking meditation. It might be a little different method, but it's very doable. And there's quite a few, uh, you know, in, in Thailand, uh, they don't do slow walking. The slow walking comes from the Burmese tradition. So uh, don't think you have to do slow. And the other thing is, is that if you get a lot of like mid-back aching, um, a method that I found that works for me and a lot of people is, let's see if I can do this, is I take a shawl, which I always have with me, and tie it around like this, and I let my arms rest there. 
And, um, you know, I can walk without any fatigue to my mid back. Mm -hmm. So if any of you have done retreat, you know, that's been a real stable for me. Mm -hmm. Actually, the arms at the sides is putting some strain on what we don't want. Uh, for some people's bodies, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, depending on your problem. You know, for people that have mid-back problems or neck problems, um, you know, it, it can definitely make a difference there. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like, if any of you, you know, um, you know are going to make some changes in the next week um, and you want to have any personal feedback, I'm going to come half an hour early next week, so I'll be happy to, you know, talk about, you know, uh, any suggestions, personal suggestions that you might want. So, any other questions before I go on to the next piece? Okay. Yes? I, I just thought of a question for sitting. Um, there's a numbness that happens. There's one way to the other. So, what is, what needs to be corrected there? Where's the numbness? Uh, it's, it's just falling asleep. One way falls asleep. The whole leg? Yeah. Pay attention before next week, if that happens, how far up the leg the numbness is. Often, what causes numbness in the leg is actually the edge of the chair. Actually, actually it happens if I happen to be sitting on the sofa. Oh, and the, oh, that's really common. Okay, that's very common. I thought you were talking about a chair. Okay, yeah, yeah. And on the floor, it's a very common thing. And uh, most people have had their legs go to sleep. And it's usually the front leg that goes to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very common. Again, one of the things that that pillow, for me, uh, a similar pillow like that, stopped my leg from going to sleep. Uh, just by getting the pressure off the area, um, you know, the, where the blood vessels are. Just by removing that pressure from that hard edge, uh, with using one of those pillows made all the difference for me. I would say I went from like 25 minutes where I fell asleep to be able to sit an hour without it falling asleep. But that's, you know, everybody's body's a little bit different. So I would definitely experiment with that. You suggesting using the wedge cushion instead of the bathroom? Right. But it, not all the wedges work for me. I actually um, used um, Buckwood Field buckwheat-filled wedge seemed to work for me. That one didn't. So I, I played with a lot of Zafus, you know, and, and you have to really give them a good chance, you know, and, and so it's great. We've got lots of samples here to play with. So when you come, you can try them. And the neck, are you talking about something under the neck or the head, you know, like a neck thing to keep your head on the floor that's supporting It's about being comfortable. It's about being comfortable. There's no right way. You know, we're all such different levels of flexibility. Um, so there's no, you know, it's really about being comfortable. Most of us are a little more comfortable with a little bit of a flat cushion. And some people need a little bit more. One of the things I want you to think about is that no matter how much pain you have at any given moment, there's thousands of things you could pay attention to. Uh, that are going on at the same time. And ha have you ever had where you had a lot of pain, but you got involved in a conversation, forgot all about it? So all of us, most of us have had that experience. And uh, even, you know, even with a bad headache, you forget you have a bad headache because you get so interested in something else. That's what we do with mindfulness practice. We get so interested in our practice that the pain just is not all that that big a deal.
Okay? But getting there takes training. And as I said, you know, with, with chronic pain, our minds are conditioned to gravitate towards the pain. It's like a magnet. You know, one of the things in the surface of the brain and the, and the cortex, we have a, you know, a motor and sensory section, and it's kind of like, an ups- like a person, okay? And so there's like this little person there that corresponds to your body, so that you know, you know, there's the hands are are a little bigger. The hands, in, you know, are bigger than uh, say the arm, because the hands can do so much more. Uh, we use them so much more, so it develops in the brain a little bigger area. And for instance, a pianist's hands are bigger in the brain than ours, or um, a dancer. You know, they're uh, well. I'm not quite sure what they develop, but you know, the corresponding parts, you know, get get bigger. And those changes in the brain don't just stop. They, they happen every day. Whatever we do today has an effect in the brain. And as the area gets bigger, you know, for the pianist, it's easier to play piano. We call that facilitation. In the same way that we can learn anything. I mean, it does, if you've never hammered a nail before, you know, I guarantee you after a hundred of them, you'll be better than you were with the first one, Right? You know, you, you will get better. And your, your brain facilitates, it, gets, it learns. That's how we learn. And your brain itself changes when you learn. It creates new circuits. Uh, when you have pain, it's not that there isn't a real injury. There is. But the pathway from the injury to the brain has gone facilitated. And so very often what happens, it's just the mind is so used to doing that over and over and over, and the pain gets worse because it gets easier and easier to feel the pain. And that's what happens with chronic pain. So in the same way that, for instance, let's say you have bad posture, you know, the more you practice bad posture, the easier it is to have bad posture. And the same way, if you start practicing a little better posture, Day after day after day gets easier and easier and easier. And so in the same way with uh, thoughts we have, with emotions we have, whatever we practice gets more and more ingrained in the grooves in our brain. So it's a challenge, but it's also uh, great because it, the brain is plastic and we can make change. So one thing I want to talk about, you know, so most of you have been uh, watching the breath as a primary practice. Okay, have any of you who don't use the breath as your, as your object of meditation? Okay, just the, those of you who haven't practiced ever. Okay, so we're going to do a guided meditation, a short guided meditation on the breath, which most of you have done this before. I want to pay attention to one aspect of it. Uh, the instructions in the practice is you watch the breath wherever it's easiest to notice it, right? So, for instance, you know, I watch it at the nostrils because that's where it's the most obvious for me, the easiest to catch it. Some people watch it in the belly or the chest. Uh, some people watch it a little bit of a broader area. With chronic pain, it's really helpful for most people to watch the breath in an area away from their pain, if possible. Um, so if you have, a, if you have headaches, uh, and that's your primary issue, something up in the head, I recommend you watch the breath in the belly, that you don't watch it here. 
that you don't watch it at the nostrils. Uh, if you have asthma, don't watch your chest. If you've got palpitations and you worry about them in your heart, you know, don't watch the chest. Okay, so go away from the area of pain. It allows you to relax a lot more. If there isn't any area. <laughs> if there is an area that's pain-free, just go for the area that's least problematic. Often, if everything feels like that, sometimes having a broader focus is what works best. So instead of trying to narrow the focus to the nostril or here or here, you, you can watch the breath as much as you can notice. And that often helps because it distributes it over a much broader area. What if it's... Um I have this pain that's not physical. I mean, it's almost like emotional, you know, pain that gets into the stomach. Yeah. I sit long enough. So is that the kind of pain where you want to focus on or you want to distract yourself from? If it's been going on time after time after time for long periods, don't focus on it. It will work itself through in a different way. So is there anybody who thinks that they might change where they, know, where they pay attention to the breath based on that? Okay. You know, an experiment. It's helpful to stick to, uh, once you choose your area, to kind of stick to it on an ongoing basis because you facilitate the mind. Again, the more you do it the same way each time, the, eas- the easier it becomes to concentrate. Um, but, you know, try it for a little while in, if it's a new area for you, and then if um, that seems to be working, then, s- then stay with it. If it doesn't seem to be working after a while, then go ahead and experiment again. And it, even if you watch it at the, at the nostrils, if you have a really bad cold, don't try to force the attention there. Don't torture yourself. You know, go ahead and switch your object. Okay, so we're going to do guided meditation in a moment. If you want to stand up for just 60 seconds, no more. Okay, so go ahead and find whatever position you're going to meditate in. We're just going to do, you know, about an eight-minute meditation. Just make sure your body's in as comfortable position as possible. And when we meditate, you know, uh, try to be as still as possible. Don't move for minor discomforts. If a discomfort is really getting to you and, you and you feel like you really need to move, it's okay to move, but just wait a little bit. Just be with it for a moment, and when you move, move slowly, not automatically. Um, it's very helpful to keep still for the mind to quiet. Um, and so one other thing I want to say before we start, um, do any of you have trouble where you, where you can't stop controlling your breath? What? <laughs> it's that double negative. <laughs> um, uh, so the instructions in meditation is to not control your breath, to let your breath be natural. Okay, some people have trouble not controlling their breath. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, uh, Where when you're meditating, you're trying to be natural and it feels like you're still controlling it. So nobody has that issue? Okay. I'm sometimes surprised how slowly I breathe. I don't pay attention to my breath all 
course. And so when I do focus on it, it surprises me, and I don't think I'm trying to control it to be slow. It's just... Just what's happening. Just yeah. Slow. Yeah, that often happens. Right. Okay, so just don't try to control the breath, but if you find yourself controlling it a little bit, it's not a problem. Just want to make sure that that's, uh, that that's clear. I, I'm surprised. Usually there's a few people who say, yeah, I can't stop controlling it. So, um, so it's just, you know, surprised I didn't get any of that today. So go ahead and, um, you know, sit upright and relaxed and close your eyes. Now let's begin with a few deep breaths. And relaxing just a little more with each exhale. Get a general sense of how you feel right now. Just get a general awareness of your whole body. Just let your attention wander around your body, sensing it. And notice how you experience the breath, the movement of air, the movement of muscles. What's moving when you breathe? You may feel the belly going up and down, or the chest rising and falling. the air coming in and out of the nostrils. And notice where the sensations are easiest to feel and let your attention rest there. That's going to be your home base, your anchor, Now keep your attention in your home base. And if the attention wanders off, just bring the attention back to the breath. No need to judge it. Just gently bring it back. If it's helpful, you might want to whisper in, out, silently, in your mind. Sometimes it's helpful to keep our attention on the breath or rising and falling. If you decide to use words to help you, keep the words very lightly in the background. Let most of your attention be on the sensations of breathing.
Try to keep your attention on the breath continuous throughout the entire length of the breath. Notice the beginning of each breath. Notice it as it fades. And notice the gaps between the breaths. One continuous rhythm. If any concerns or issues arise, let them be in the background. It's okay for them to be there. Just keep returning to the breath, (coughs) to the rhythm of breathing in and out. And for these last two minutes, see if you can stay connected with every breath for the entire length of each breath.
And when you're ready, open your eyes. Before um, I continue with the next piece, is there anything in this very basic mindfulness of breathing um, that you have any, um, any area of difficulty or any, anything? Because this is like the very basics with which we start. And I want to make sure that, that you feel comfortable with where you're paying attention and how you're paying attention. Yes? Well, it sounds like you're going to be talking to about this um, anyway, but it, it, for me, I, I, I do just find that, I mean, a magnet is a good description. For me, it's, I broke both my shoulders in an accident, and it, it's just, you know, my mind just, so I almost feel like my mind is moving into my shoulders. That's the experience that I have. And, um, and so, any suggestions that you have to get it sounds like you'll be... Yeah, that's, the, that's exactly what we'll be addressing the next piece. Yeah. Yeah, so, so um, there's two ways of working with pain. One of them is by paying attention to the pain, and one of them is by paying attention to something else. And both ways are, are useful at different times. And so it's really good to have a little toolbox with a few different methods that we can use as we need them. So, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, that I just want to mention, you know, there's been a lot of studies in working with pain. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, well, pain's in your mind because obviously when you're happy, you don't hurt as much. And when you're unhappy, you hurt more. Uh, But they've done studies where they're actually imaging the brain. And they found that um, they did a a study with people who are really long-time meditators. And they found that the same... (laughs) painful stimulus um, showed in the brain as being 48% less painful than on somebody who didn't meditate. So meditation by itself changes how the brain perceives pain. The pain is still the same pain, but the mind actually begins to transform itself and experiences less pain with the same stimulus. So those shoulders might still be in the same condition, but with, with regular practice, um, you start feeling less pain from it. What they found was that they took the same control group that they used to compare to the meditators, and they trained them in meditation for five months. And five months later, 48% less. <laughs> no difference, you know. So in five months alone, they were able to develop an, enough of a change in their brain uh, to reduce their pain levels. Is this what they're not meditating, right? Both. It was both, yeah, yeah, definitely, when they're not meditating, yes. So when we focus towards pain, tonight we'll be talking about focusing towards the pain. There's two things you pay attention to, the painful areas themselves and your emotional reaction to the pain. The problem most of us have is that those two are entangled. And it's very hard to deal with them when you've got pain and you immediately hate the pain and then you contract around the hate of the pain and it gets all mushed together. It's very hard to pay attention to it. So one of the things that we do in mindfulness is we really develop our skill in how to pay attention to the pain and how to pay attention to the emotional reaction. 
And those are two very different things. And when we disentangle them, they're much more manageable. The other piece is that when we pay attention to pain, often when a pain is really big, it's just one big solid thing, it's very intimidating, very overwhelming. So the approach that we use, um, you know, I like to borrow Shinzen Young's phrase, is divide and conquer. Instead of looking at this big pain, you pay attention to little pieces of it. And not for very long necessarily. So you pay attention to this little piece for just a, you can be with that pain for a second, right? For a few seconds. And now you can be with this little pain for a few seconds. And by dividing it into these little manageable pieces, it becomes a lot more manageable. Uh, and that's the v- basic principle in what we're going to be doing. The attitude with which we meditate is very, very important. For instance, uh, let me use the pianist as an example. If you take somebody who's, learning, who's like a really good concert pianist, you know, they can play really well. As I said, the part of the brain that develops, you know, because of the hand training, gets really big and very facilitated. But that person may have learned to play the piano with a really mean piano teacher who's like always, you know, very critical and, you know, you're never good enough. So when they play, they not only develop that part of the brain, they also, every time they play, it's as if that mean piano teacher is still sitting there, you know, uh, criticizing them. So that area has facilitated also. So um, how we meditate If we meditate like I'm going to force myself to concentrate and we're kind of grim and tight, we're practicing being grim and tight. So the attitude with which we even begin the meditation is really crucial. We want to be open and accepting and curious. You know, have an attitude of, you know, you know, you're going to a beautiful, wonderful new place. Oh, what's it like here? That's the kind of the attitude with which we want to start. You may not be there. And it's not about generating a phony feeling. It's about inclining the mind to be open. So, for instance, let's say you're, you're really unhappy, you're just miserable, you're going to meditate. You know, you incline the mind to be open. You don't force yourself to be open. You just go, oh yeah, I'm going to try to accept what's here. The meditation practice is about being present for what's there. What's there right now is misery and suffering. Okay, I'll be open to that. Uh, So the whole practice is about opening to what's there and observing what's there. And it's a process of radical acceptance, of accepting everything that shows up inside us. Uh, And it's a training. So, you know, we get better and better as we go along. So the first thing I want to do is I want to just do a little exercise on how to pay attention to physical sensation. And many of you have done this at some point, but, but uh, do it with me again this time. So what I'll, I'll have you do is I want you to close your eyes. So this will just be a minute exercise. And I'd like you to make a fist with one hand. You know, you can keep the hand comfortable on your lap. But make the fist so it's just a little bit tight. Don't make it painful, just, just so it's a little tense. And then notice how it actually feels inside. How does it feel where the fingers are touching the palm?
Notice wherever sensation's the strongest in that hand. In the area of strongest sensation, if you were to um, make a picture of it, um, how big is that area of strongest sensation? Does it have edges? Are the edges sharp or diffuse? Is it flat or does it have depth? Is there central point of intensity? Then notice the qualities. Are there vibration, pressure? Do you feel a pulsing? Is it warm? Is it heavy? What are the feelings that you experience? And is it changing? Now with your eyes still closed, open your palm. And then notice the sensations. How do they change? So could you all feel that? Okay, so in the same way, we're going to approach our physical discomfort and pain. Um, is there anybody who doesn't have any discomfort right now? Okay. So to practice, if you don't have discomfort, please go ahead and make fists, or one fist, uh, during the meditation, because we're going to do a guided meditation in a couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, so, and, and don't normally do that, but it's just so you can practice with it a little bit more. Um, do you have any questions about how to pay attention to it? I, you know, I used a lot of words, you know, um, but really what we want to do is we want to feel all those sensations and really notice them. We want to notice, the, if we have pain, we want to notice the shape of it. How big an area is hurting? What are the edges? See, by looking at these different aspects of the pain, we're breaking it apart into its components. So let's say the, you know, the, the shoulder, right? So what are the edges of that pain? What's the point of most intensity? And what are the qualities? You know, is it burning, stabbing, shooting, uh, vibrating, warm? Um, so there, you know, there might be some pleasant sensations in it too. Uh, so that's the basic approach we're going to be using. Um, and th- there's a little more to it, but I'll do that while we guide it. Uh, so before I start with the actual guiding the meditation, do you have any questions about connecting with those sensations and those, those uh, concepts I just brought up? Okay. Yes. What we're going to do is, um, is if it's diffuse, your mind is... Okay, let me 
I'll, I'll guide it in a moment, but I'll, I'll tell you ahead of time a little bit. Okay, for instance, let's say you have pain in a, in a bunch of different areas in the body. The way we're going to do this next meditation, it's called free floating within the discomfort. Okay? So you're going to let your mind land wherever it feels like landing. And you're going to explore that spot. So it doesn't really matter where your mind lands. You're just going wherever it's a little bit uncomfortable. If all your discomfort is in one place, let's say the shoulder, okay, uh, then you're going to keep landing in different spots of the shoulder. You're going to go a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, a little bit up and down. So you just keep staying in the area, but always in your spot. So that's how we'll be doing it, okay? So any other questions before we go on? Okay, and we'll do about, um, uh, probably about 10 minutes here, so. So go ahead and get comfortable. Sitting upright and relaxed. And close your eyes. Take a deep, slow in-breath. And as you breathe out, feel your whole body relaxing and just settling in your posture. We're going to do a practice called free floating within the discomfort. Let your awareness be pulled to wherever the discomfort arises in your body and mentally label the location. For instance, if it's your jaw, just label it jaw. Stay there for maybe three seconds and then try to really feel that spot for those three seconds. And then allow yourself to be pulled anywhere else where there's pain or discomfort. And again, label the location. So maybe you'll say jaw and really feel that jaw area for a few seconds. And then your mind gets pulled over to the shoulder. Then stay there for a few seconds. Just going from discomfort to discomfort just a few seconds at a time. If there's only one major area of discomfort, just say right shoulder, right upper shoulder, right lower shoulder. Just label the location.
Try to experience the sensation with as much precision and acceptance as you can. You don't need to control where the awareness goes. Let your awareness be spontaneously pulled to different areas of the discomfort. Now continue to let your awareness freely float as you've been doing, going from one area to the next. But now we're going to look more deeply at the quality of the sensations instead. So instead of the location, label those flavors, shooting, itching, pressure, burning, aching, and so on. To spend a few seconds really noticing what's there. Is it vibrating? What is it doing? And just gently label it.
Now letting go of the labeling. Let your attention go to the area of discomfort and notice the size and shape of that area. Is it flat? Does it have depth? Notice the outer edges of the area of discomfort. Are the edges sharp or diffuse? Notice the center of intensity. Does it change? bringing your attention to the entire area of primary discomfort now. Pay attention to it as if you were looking at a lizard on the wall. What is it going to do next? Is it moving? Is it changing? Watch carefully. Notice that every few seconds the sensations may change, even if it's just a little bit. Every time it changes, relax your whole mind and body into the change. Observe it without judgment. So how was that for you? Any comments or any questions? Was there any confusion for anybody?
Yes. I'm wondering, like, <clears throat> I know that my body goes into a sort of muscles tightening that creates shear on my spine and then my leg twitches. So then I get caught in this mind thing where I think, am I doing myself harm if I stretch it out? Will that stop happening? But then how can I meditate if I'm constantly stopping the stretch? Um. You know, without knowing more specifics about your condition, it's hard to say exactly what the right thing is. If you find that you need to, um, if you're not sure if you're doing yourself harm, always err on the side of being careful. If you have to move, make the movement your meditation. Okay, so that you notice every part of the movement so you don't lose your concentration. So, because you can do walking meditation, you're moving. So treat it just like walking meditation. Every part of it is part of the meditation. And if you'd like to, you know, we can talk afterwards and I can find a little more so we can determine. Sometimes somebody can help you decide whether something's harmful or not. Okay. Um, Any other questions? You know, that was a short sample of this, you know, and what I'm going to ask you to do in the next week is to practice with, with, uh, with this meditation and doing it, um, do the first, if, if you haven't been sitting uh, more than 20 minutes, you know, so 20 minutes is enough for this, for right now, but if you have a longer practice, please feel free to do more. But the first 10 minutes, just stay on the breath. Let the mind settle, just like the first meditation. Um, get really settled as much as you're able to before you open up to, to the floating in a discomfort. And then we'll spend 10 minutes um, you know, doing this particular practice. Um, I have a handout that I'm gonna, you, can, you can take on the way out, and it describes the meditation we just did. So don't worry about trying to remember it. <laughs> So you can read it right before you do it. Yes. What if the pain um, occurs mostly with, in certain positions or with certain movements and doesn't necessarily arise during a, a sitting uh, of doing something else? Right. Uh, well, if it doesn't come up during the sitting, that's fine. There'll be other ways of working with it. Um, but it, so you're not finding any discomfort in your body? There is sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, so, so don't, that's fine. That's fine. You know, there'll be, you know, just by learning to use this when it's there. If not, just stay with the breath. I'm going to show you what, I want to talk about one other meditation that I use. Chronic pain very often leads to chronic tension. Okay, whether it's tension in one, in one area of the body or it's just being chronically stressed because you're always in pain. When you're in pain, certain hormones arise and um, many people who have chronic pain are, are tense, have quite a bit of tension. Chronic tension increases our perception of pain. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. If you're hurting you get tense, the tension makes you hurt more. And that's just one aspect of it. The other aspect is when you have pain, we often compensate by trying not to feel that, so we tense up elsewhere. 
And that habit of tensing up elsewhere creates another imbalance, which creates its own cycle and, and problem. So the reason I'm bringing that up, that's the problem, right? It's the reason it's so important to make yourself relax many times during the day. You know, if we meditate for 20 minutes, that's great. But we have, if you have chronic pain, that means you've been hurting and tense as a habitual way of being for a long time. So the more you can just relax your body throughout the day, even for just one minute, can retrain your brain. So the practice that I do, that I've been doing for a number of years, is what I call the eight breath meditation. Um, it takes one minute. And I'd like you to do it with me. But I'll tell you very, very briefly what it is. You take one deep breath where you inhale and just fill your body with air. When you exhale on the first breath, you relax your face and head. And I like to smile a little bit. That, you know, that helps me relax. The second breath, when the exhale, you relax your shoulders and arms. The third breath, you relax your back. The fourth breath, your front. The fifth breath, your thighs, legs, and feet. And then on the sixth, seventh, and eighth breath, you just uh, try to sense your whole body as you breathe. And it takes one minute. And I actually have a timer on my computer that goes off every hour that reminds me to do it. If you don't do that, even one breath can initiate a relaxation response. Like just right at this moment, you know, just take a deep breath and just let everything go. Did you let go of anything? Did anything relax a little more? Even though we just meditated, most of you found you could relax a little bit more because you, you have such a habit of being a little bit tense. So just that one breath is powerful. Do it in the car. Do it any time during the day. Just try to remember, you know, just let it go. But doing this practice with the eight breaths brings your attention to the different parts of the body. And one thing I want to say, what we often find when we try to relax with chronic pain is it won't relax. It just doesn't let go. You know, it doesn't matter. You're inclining it to relax a little bit. That's enough. Don't be in struggle with something that won't relax. If it doesn't want to, that's fine. You're just inclining in that direction. You soften around it. It's good enough. The mind starts getting trained in that direction. So let's do this with me, this one minute now. Go ahead and close your eyes. And do it at your own pace. I'll guide it, but you know, if you, we all breathe at different rates. So. So take a deep inhale, expanding your abdomen, your chest, and your upper chest. And on the exhale, relax your face, your jaw, your skull, and smile if you like. On the second inhale, fill deeply. And on the exhale, relax your shoulders your upper arms, forearms, your hands. Inhale, and on the third exhale, you're going to relax your entire back, your upper back, mid-back, 
low back. And on the fourth breath, when you exhale, relax your entire front, your chest, your belly. I like the word soft belly. Let the belly really relax. And on the fifth breath, when you exhale, relax your thighs, your legs, your feet. And now try to feel your whole body in these last three breaths. Just relax your entire body. So how is that? Do you think you might use that during the day? So feel free to vary it. If you find that you particularly get tense in one area, you know, feel free to add that to one of the breaths. One of the breaths goes to that area. Um, feel free to be creative with it. So I want to say one, um, a couple of things before we wrap up for the night. Exercise decreases pain, okay? So a lot of people who have chronic pain because movement seems to uh, hurt or they're afraid uh, actually become less mobile. And regardless of your condition, most of us can do some form of exercise. Even if it's rocking back and forth in a rocking chair, that actually helps the circulation. So there's always a way, to, there's usually a way, I shouldn't say always, but you know, even uh, people who are paralyzed, sometimes just the motion of moving one arm helps increase the circulation. Uh, so exercise increases circulation, uh, changes your chemistry, move. Uh, many of us are guilty of um, you know, I, I particularly have done this, you know, okay, I've gone for my hour walk this morning. Uh, now I can be sedentary for the other 23 hours. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really helpful to break up your day and not be sedentary, even if it's just doing a couple of extra trips back and forth from one room to another. Move your body. Um, I really recommend that. We'll talk a lot more about that next week as we start exploring um, emotions and our reactivity towards pain. So as I mentioned, please meditate at least 20 minutes a day. Um, the handout will review the instructions. If, you, if your pain really dominates your life, please meditate twice a day. If your life is really... Uh, very, very difficult because of this. It's very worthwhile to do that. Um, you will just train much, much quicker. And I very highly recommend doing the eight breath meditation throughout the day uh, and just really start letting go of the tension that has accumulated for so many, the tension habits that have accumulated for so many years. And just to remind you, um, next week, if you come half an hour, if you want personal attention and your posture, come half an hour early. I'll be here at 7, and I'd be happy to, um, you know, 
go over how you're, um, how you're meditating. Uh, so thank you very much, and um, I'll see you all next week. Please take a handout on your way out. Thank you.